Hey, good morning, good afternoon or good evening, depending on when you're watching this edition of Hypnosis Week Live. Yes, it's me again, born Alex William Smith, but better known to many of you as Jonathan Royal, uh, hypnotist of MagicalGuru.com. As always, that is, that's it, nothing else about me. This is about our guests, and this week I am delighted uh, to be able to welcome to the show a gentleman who I met, crikey, my daughter's 10, my wife was pregnant, so it's got to be close to 11 years ago now. Yeah. When he was over here in England, um, over in England with Richard Nongard doing one of his speed trance classes. So that gives you a clue who it is, although if you recognise him, you'd know. Anyway, he's the author of numerous books, including Hypnotic Scripts That Work, Volumes 1, 2, 3 and 4. Best-selling DVD sets such as Speed Trance, Skits and Bits, How to Book Shows, a whole bunch of other things that we'll talk about over the next um it's fair to say that given that he is dubbed the trance master and if you like the father of speed trance that inductions are his speciality so we'll definitely be talking about that over the next hour so please welcome to the show hypnotherapist and stage hypnotist extraordinaire mr john Saborn. thank you very much for having me great being here Hey, hey th thanks for being here, John. Look, so the, I'm start. I'm going to start and end the next hour with the questions I ask everyone, and then the bits in the middle um, will be different. They'll be on you. But the, the first one is: as you sit here today, you are John Saborn. You are known as the Trans Master. You do do hypnotherapy and stage hypnosis, as well as teaching people. But at some point, you weren't a hypnotist. There was some sort of journey that brought you into this. What was your journey? What's your story? Well, at three years old, going back to that, okay. my father was stressing me out. And then before we'd have dinner or something, he'd say to me, go upstairs and clean your room. So after a few bouts of that, I'd go upstairs at three and lay on the bed, deep breathe, stare at the ceiling, start blinking my eyes, which is similar to Dr. Flowers' induction for the hypnotists out there. Not that I heard of Dr. Flowers until I was in my 30s, but... Um, what happened was I would put myself into essentially self-hypnosis and then get up and clean the room. This went on for a couple of years, and by the age of five, after my parents got over the fact that they thought it was strange that I was doing that, um, <laughs> they asked me at five years old to teach them how to do it, to take their stress levels away. So at five years old, I was teaching hypnosis to my parents, not knowing it was hypnosis. It's yeah. funny because throughout the years, I've always had brushes with hypnosis, uh, throughout my entire life. I remember watching TV shows as a kid, old TV shows like Bewitched, you know, where they, was, they were occasionally using hypnosis and that. Or I remember seeing Orma McGill, my late friend, when I was a tiny boy on TV shows, hypnotizing children, for example. And for some reason, when I met him, he and I had an immediate affinity. It wasn't until after he passed away, I did some self-hypnosis and realized I've been watching him on TV since I was tiny. So I've been at this most of my life. Through grammar school years, there were kids thinking about running away from home. And there weren't the kids right here in the class. There were the kids off to the side. I barely knew them. We moved around a few times, so I was constantly the new kid. So I was in a total of five grammar schools. And I was hypnotizing these kids. I asked them to close their eyes, and they wanted to run away from home in grammar school. And later in high school and college, it was run away, or in some cases, worse things. They wanted to kill themselves. They were upset about their lives, their families. And I would just ask them to close their eyes. And when they opened their eyes... No longer do they want to do those things. Did that happen every week? No, but sometimes it was two or three people in a week. 
Sometimes it was every couple of months. But I always had this in my back pocket, sort of. And people seemed to be drawn to me to help them. So I've been at this most of my life. And then when I graduated college, I was using it to motivate myself to go out and sell, sell, sell. I was in a sales force. And I left that company. I was, I'm going to put a little data myself. I was selling video movies on cassettes, you know, to... I was just working for a distributorship. I remember and, that. Yes, me too. A lot of that. And um, I was a top salesman in the company. And within, I don't know, a, cu a couple of years, they moved in some other person and gave her half my territory. And within a year, not even a year, within three months, I was a top salesman again, motivating myself. I left that company. I was selling insurance for a major corporation that sells insurance all over the world. And within three months, they had me teaching the training class. And I said, where's my certificate? And they said, you have nine more months left. And I was actually using hypnosis techniques in those workshops. Um, they had a guy come in one time who was a hypnotherapist, as you call them in your part of the world, or a hypnotist, as we call them in the, the eastern seaboard of the United States. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is rather interesting. But he, his pre-talk wasn't really what it should be. He said, you're going to work more hours in a week. I said, no, I'm putting in like ridiculous amounts of hours. You're going to work more days of the week. I said, no, I'm putting in six days now. I check the messages on Sundays. And everybody in the room turned to James Bond. You're not getting me. You're not getting me. And I realized what a bad pre-talk was by being through that experience. So at that point, leaving that company, I owned another business that I was using it to motivate people in the gym I owned, or was a junior partner in anyway. And from that, I took it out to the world. And I was getting sometimes a handful of people at a workshop. And sometimes I had hundreds of people showing up, depending upon the size of the room and the amount of advertising. And I was calling it personal empowerment meditation back in those days. And I had what I called my hippie contingent. Men and women would pull nice tail. to it, that, actually. Oh, I'm sorry? It's got a nice ring to it, that. Yeah, and it's I still use that on... meditation. Yeah, yes. I was using that. Uh, I still use it on my website. There are still some MP3s people can buy with that. And I had my ponytail uh, hippie people. They would run in, men and women with ponytails, sleeping bags, and they would run in to get high from the meditation process. They would just lay there and, and kind of enjoy the happy feelings of being in another place and connecting with higher power. And at the end of one of the workshops, this fellow walked up to me and said, you're one heck of a hypnotist. And jokingly, I said, a hypno what? And he said, no, 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 you know what you're doing. Come get certified so you can do more things and help more people. So I took one, and I asked him about doing the class, and he gave me a number. I said, are you crazy? And he said to me, no, no, you're comped in. You're getting hundreds of people here. So the first couple of trainings, I was comped in, and then I started to reach out to different hypnosis groups and organizations, and I continued to take more and more training, and I began to see weak spots in the training and mm -hmm. books I was told to read with suggestions with typographical errors. One of my favorite typographical errors in one of those old books was, you're feeling relaxed, you're feeling happy, you're feeling clam, not calm, clam. Oh, lovely. And I would read that as we do in trance as suggestions and then giggle like an idiot, trying not to laugh in the middle of the session while the person had their eyes closed. And I, and I knew it was coming and I never corrected it. I would just sit there and go like this. But eventually I decided that the stuff I was reading wasn't what it could be. So I started to write my own things. And eventually I compiled it into a book. So Hypnotic Scripts That Work, Volume 1, is a combination of, it's actually version 7 because I originally released version one, then version two, and then more and more. And eventually, one of the hypnosis organizations said, you know, people are buying version five and six, and now you've got seven, and they're complaining, just do a new book. So then it became the second book, More Hypnotic Scripts That Work. Then I wrote a book called Power Hypnosis, 
the future of hypnotic sessions, which is a whole rethinking of how we structure suggestions to get the subconscious mind to automatically work out issues and make it a person's ally rather than an enemy. And then the fourth book, again, is even more hypnotic scripts that work. You see, I have kind of a theme going there. I had some friends yeah. in Canada suggested that at the time, like, you know, keep a theme going. So as I do the fourth, uh, the fifth script book or the fifth book, I'm thinking, what am I going to call that? Like, even even more, you know, I'm kind of running out of road there, you know. But I've worked very hard, as I know yourself and other people have, to elevate this to the next quantum level. To me, it's about the beauty and the power of what we're capable of doing when we do the clinical work to get people where they need to be. I've seen a lot of people trapped in older approaches. And even though we have a, a good foundation and we're standing on the shoulders of, you know, virtual giants from the past, you know, we're all not driving cars from the 1950s. We're all driving cars with airbags now and computer systems and other mm -hmm. things. So I don't like the idea of being trapped in old systems and old methods. My thing is, where can you take this to the next possible level up quantum level wise? As I studied quantum mechanics in college or in high school and chemistry, physics, what can you do to kick this up a notch? So everything I've done in my career has been about taking this to a new place, a higher level, a different way of impacting people. What can people do as hypnotists to get our clients' subconscious minds on board? Stop telling the fake stories. Everybody we work with to a degree is giving themselves a delusional story to a degree, greater or lesser. I'm this big. I can't do it. You know, it starts in childhood uh, with, you know, your parents telling you, get away from the socket, the electrical socket. You know, don't touch the stove. No, no. Well, that translates into a base of that in most people. And my idea is to liberate that inner hero in the person and get that out into the world so the transformation can take place. Get the subconscious mind to agree with the upgrades and the improvements. And once you get the agreement and the subconscious becomes their friend, the possibilities are limitless, not only for the session subject, say they come to quit smoking or something, but also for other improvements in their life after they see the hypnotist. All of a sudden, it's I saw that hypnotist and my life got better in many other ways. So that's just. So are you thought. doing uh, are you doing that um, in sort of a direct suggestion manner or in the kind of idiomotor response? signals from the unconscious mind manner right yes absolutely i want subconscious agreement for the improvement if you can get the subconscious to agree with the person's upgrades they're unstoppable you okay. need to get so you're, you're using idiomotor responses yeah idiomotor responses sure i do that i mean nothing's off the table here i'm also if the person has a religious or spiritual background i'm talking about divine inspiration if they have loving relationships at home with their wife or their husband and kids, you know, they're improving for themselves and the people they love. Nothing's off the table to a degree when it comes to getting somebody to upgrade their life into a better, more well, a good place, an inspired place, a heroic place, an unstoppable inspiration. Whatever words I have to use to get them into the light. And I use many of these words. So if you get me started, I'm likely to keep talking for an hour. But... um the idea is to get them motivated towards the positive improvements. So all techniques I use, whether it's the inductions I've written uh, or scripted verbally or the speed inductions, which up to date I've invented 91 of them so far. I'm striving for that 100 mark, you know, in my head. I got to break 100. Three of them I can't do. Three of them involve card manipulation for magicians because I have a magician show up and I'm not a great card manipulator. All right. But, um, 
so so far I can do 89 of my own 91 inductions, but um, <laughs> but the same thing with the shows. The shows, the same thing. I mean, I came up. My early concerts were like the Rolling Stones and uh, the Who, and um, like I remember seeing Black Sabbath when I was very young. You know, get out there and rip up that stage. Get up there and make this thing work. Get up there and bring it to a new again another level. You know, when you're doing a show, you don't want an audience of people politely clapping, going, oh. You want them screaming. You want them up out of the chairs at the end. You want that standing ovation. So it's the same thing. Give it 110%. Give it 150% if you can. You know, redline it like the odometer in your car when you're going too fast. You know, whatever it takes, get into that red zone and make it work. That's my whole gist of what I do. Hope that answers your question. So now I'm going to start to kind of pick into little areas. Sure. Change round and such. And for the sake of the viewers at home, I will endeavour to guess some of the questions that you at home are probably thinking, and then ask John. So, for example, let's start with rapid, well, rapid, instant, speed, trance, inductions, call them what you will. Okay. I'm going to mention two books, uh, which I'm guessing you will have read. Um if you haven't, it doesn't particularly make much difference to the answer to the question other than a little bit. But two books that I personally read, uh, crikey, 30, 35 years ago. One was um, by Harry Aaron's uh, Instant and Rapid Induction Techniques, which I believe was published uh, somewhat ridiculous in the 50s. Very thin, um, very small. Yeah. Very, very thin. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. And then the other was a hardback book, somewhat much thicker, by Arnold First. Um, speed, uh, yeah, speed, hypnosis, and uh, speed, hypnosis, and hypnotherapy. Te- or was it? No, rapid inductions and speed therapy or something. But the focus bits on the inductions. Now, the Arnold First book in particular, he broke down what he considered to be the components that can make up an induction, mm-hmm. the things you would need to look at if you were going to create ones of your own. So all I wanted to really ask you is, as the creator of so many speed trance rapid inductions in more recent in the more recent era, the ones that I've looked at in so much as seeing your good self live in Manchester and obviously seen Speed Trance DVD, which if you've not seen it, viewers, go on John's website, uh, worldfamoushypnotist.com and uh, grab yourself a copy. Is that, to me, they seem to be following the same sort of underlying structures and important bullet points as Arnold First and Harry Aaron's laid out years ago. Okay. The, the first book I've never read. The second book by Aaron's, the first one you had mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I did read it a few years ago. Uh, Richard Nongard found a copy and sent it to me as a birthday gift. So thank you, Richard. But where I got the induction ideas from was when I first got trained by that gentleman who approached me and said, you're one heck of a hypnotist, come get certified. I was told at the time, when you read this stuff, you must read these scripts and these inductions verbatim you must not miss a period a comma 
a dot, dot, dot. I forget what that term is called in literature when you write dot, dot, dot. There's a word for that. I always, I always mess it's, that word up. Yeah, but whatever it is, yeah, I can't think of it either. But um, I was told you must follow it and do every single thing and don't miss a, you know, a breath that this whole thing, like it was also some crazy, you know, uh, magical incantation or something, you know. And if you messed up one word, it would be disastrous, you know. Uh, that was the implication. And I began to realize that after doing hundreds of sessions at that point, um, <laughs> that was not true. I mean, you could more or less, you know, if you felt like it, do this. And, although I don't, but who's got time for that? But you could while people have their eyes closed. So I was originally told you couldn't hypnotize people this quickly. You could, And if you're watching and you're a hypnotist, come back, pay attention, come out of hypnosis. But because um, I've seen people in our profession hear that, they think it's time to go out. But um, what I learned from was I was watching at one of the hypnosis conferences some of the older guys doing inductions, like on the side, in a classroom. Mm -hmm. And I remember approaching a few of them. And um, it wasn't what it is right now today. We're, we're sharing all these techniques. Uh, like I've got, you mentioned the DVD. I also have it for instant download on the website, too. So I'm not shipping DVDs overseas and having them oh, destroyed. Oh, you can start watching it the same day as you're watching this. You can get on John's website right. and be watching it today. Yeah, so what it comes down to is, is that because I had too many things breaking when I was shipping it, customs dropped it on the floor. But the bottom line is, is back in those days, some of these techniques were more hidden or slightly more secretive. And I remember approaching one of the teachers at one of the conferences and said, that was pretty cool. How do you do that? And I got, this is not for the average hypnotist. This is for very advanced people and blah, blah, blah. So on the way home from one of these conventions, I was driving uh, on a major U.S. highway, and I was about to get off onto a different major U.S. highway, and uh, a tractor-trailer truck, or as you call it, an articulated lorry, That's flipped out. over and blocked the exit I was going to get off. So I had to take the longer, more annoying way home down the coast, you know? And I was daydreaming, and I said, you know, I really want to learn how to do that, and so far I'm being hindered, and... I'm driving the car thinking, and I said, wait a minute, if you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you follow up with that, boom, they're going to go right out. And strangely, I was approaching an exit for a town called Mystic, Connecticut. So I had my mystical moment, true story, uh -huh. Mystic, Connecticut, and I had a napkin from a fast food restaurant, Wendy's, on the seat next to me, and I pulled into this, uh, like, you know, gas station, petrol pump, whatever you guys call it over there, mm -hmm. too, and... Um, I wrote down the ideas on the side of this napkin. I went in, I bought something to drink, you know, whatever you do at a convenience store at the gas station. And I got back in the car and drove home with this napkin on the seat. That napkin has long been gotten rid of. I should have framed it, you know, I should have saved it someplace. But um, I came back to my home here. and I've been working at my home here since I've had this home because in my area of New York City, I live kind of out in the far-flung edge of New York City, so there's no really any place you can get an office around here mm -hmm. that's not a converted home or a, you know, storefront, you know, a strip mall somewhere. And I tried it on a client like two days later, and she just keeled over on the couch with this big happy grin on her face and went out like in a second or so, and I went, woo, and that was the butterfly induction, the one I'm best known for. It's funny because with all the inductions I've created, the one I'm best known for is like having a family where the first child is known and the other 91 not as well as known, you know? Mm -hmm. Although I have people demonstrating my inductions to me at hypnosis conferences and said, hey, look what I picked up. I'm like, have you seen this before? Like, yeah, I invented it, you know. So they, they don't know where they're picking it up from. Other people are picking up things on the Internet. 
So I picked up the first one and I did that. And then it was about nine months later because I was thinking, you know, because if you have to send out stuff or put things on a website, my thinking was, well, I've invented all these techniques for clinical and I've done this stuff in my stage work and I have one of these inductions. And I said, that's not going to work. You need plural. You need at least two, you know. So then I was pondering and thinking and finally I had the idea for another one. And I tried that on somebody and it worked. And now it's like if somebody says to me, do one you've never done before. Come up with a new one. And I've had that in workshops where people challenge me. There was one time you mentioned Richard Nongard earlier um, where he said to me, um, can you do one based on the Karate Kid movie? Wax on, wax off. This is in front of an entire class full of people in Las Vegas or just outside of Las Vegas. And I said, sure. And I put some people, I put a couple of people in a chair and boom, out they went. Boom, out they went. So at this point, I have read that book by Aaron's about three or four years ago, and I've been doing these inductions much longer than that. Um, and then I've never, I've heard of the first book, but I haven't read his book. I should get a copy. I may have a copy. Somebody may have given me a copy, but I haven't read it. Yeah. Um, but my thinking is get in there and make it work. Come in under the radar. There are at least seven ways people get hypnotized. And if you can can infuse all of them together at once in a very short window of time. And, you know, remembering all seven of them is like remembering the names of the seven dwarves or the 12 apostles or some group of people. You always leave out two or three of them, you know? Well, give but, it your best shot. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's confusion, boredom, misdirection, um, uh, con you know, fascination, concentration. Uh, um I'll see what I'll, I'll come back with in a few minutes. Let me come back to that in a few minutes. Well, that's a good start point anyway, those. Yeah. Yeah. That's just some of them. So the idea is uh, uh, eye fixation would be another one because if you put your hands in somebody's face and their eyes go blurry trying to look at your fingers, it's just, as I tell my students, it's just easier to go into hypnosis than it is to put up with me. You know what I mean? It's just happier to be in that place where you're just sort of out, you know? So... Um, if you can infuse all of them and at the same time follow the three steps that it takes to create an induction, you know, um, you've got future tense, present tense and control phase, as it's called in the induction world, and combine it with those other things, which, you know, is kind of a lot of combination. You're putting quite a lot of uh, salad in your bowl, sort of, you know what I mean? But the idea is if you can infuse all of that together so in a short window. the things, the future, the past that you just mentioned, can you... Um kind of explain in case anyone who's watching doesn't know what what those okay, sure. relate to any any correct hypnotic induction procedure will have a future tense a present tense and a control phase as it's called the future tense is in a minute you're going to ask you to stare at my finger you're going to stare at it harder and harder when i snap my fingers you're dropping down now stare at my finger sleep if you if you went out just then come back please my hand looks enormous on the screen because it's closer to the computer <laughs> uh, these huge hands um and then tell them, okay, now drop down even deeper with every rock, every tap, you're relaxing, floating, drifting, dreaming, whatever it is. And all of that stuff will just work in combination to get the person into a deeper level of trance. Every hypnotic induction I've ever seen anybody perform has aspects of that. And they can be very, very dilated into a very small, not, well, whatever, anti-dilated, what's the opposite of expanded? Very Enlarged. condensed. Yeah, um, condensed. Condensed. Condensed into a very short window of time and you can make just about anything into a hypnotic induction i've seen in a major entertainment city i won't even mention which one it is in the u.s 
a hypnotist who's doing a regular show where he brings up 45 people or more on the stage. And by the end of the show, he's got six people left or five people because his induction doesn't follow those steps. Mm. He's just kind of talking about waves in the ocean. And, you know, some people go in because he's just talking to them. But you'd keep more people if you follow those steps. So the idea is to create an induction, you need to find out how people go into hypnosis and why they go into hypnosis. Um, you need to have um, the idea that here's what we're going to do. Now we're doing it. and Boom, you're out. And now deepen it. That's basically the steps you need. If you can do that, you can pretty much hypnotize anybody. And it works the same in doing a demonstration, doing a show. All my shows now that I do, the induction for the show is speed induction. I put everybody out really, really quick. That could be as many as 35 people. Some of these you know, theater shows they do are huge. And it's a lot of running on my part, so i got to keep myself moving and keep myself in shape and keep the weight down, you know? And then just run down the line and drop everybody out. When I've done two hypnotist shows, which I've done several of, I'm probably 10 or 15 of them where I've worked with another hypnotist, the, you know, it's easier because you can run from either side into the middle or from the middle to the side and drop people out. Just playing but devil's you know, advocate, do you waltz it, Law? Then once, once, once the uh, rapid induction, instant induction, whatever been done on these people do you then as a group do a 10 down to one staircase or, or such similar as we would call it deepener on the group yes i do deepeners absolutely because once they're out you want them to stay with you to the end so, of the arg so arguably just to play devil's advocate as long as you've got the bugger shocked enough to close their eyes when you tell them to and keep them closed long enough till you do the deepener right. the deepener effectively arguably is just a mini mini speeded up richard's favorite induction mini but a mini speeded up version of a progressive relaxation induction a deepener so yeah. arguably the induction could actually be happening at the deepener and the other bit could just be that the got sensory overload disorientated confused or F me, what's going on? Because we're on stage, I better close my eyes because Mr. Authority figures said do so. Yeah, well, the idea is to deepen it so they don't pop back up again, you know? Um, I don't want to see somebody pop up their head. You know, once in a while... Yeah, I'm just muting the fact that maybe you're not deepening them at that point. Maybe that's actually the induction. Yeah, but sometimes I just count to five and say sleep and they're just, they almost fall out of the chair. So I think part of it has to do with the fact that, yes, you are the authority figure... Yes, they are the hypnotist. Yes, to a lot of the things you said. But when I drop them out like that, one of the things I notice is that their eyes, eyelids are fluttering and their eyes roll up into their heads if their eyes are still open. And usually when I notice their eyes roll up into their head as their eyes close as they fall forward uh, or off to the side, depending upon the size of the person and the shape of the crowd and the, the width of the chairs for their backsides and hips and shoulders, you know, um, I normally notice that their eyes go up into their eyelid, up into their, you know, towards their foreheads, and that their eyelids are already fluttering, much like yours are right now. Please don't go out on me. And um, <laughs> and um, uh, at that point, when I'm seeing the eyelid flutter, and that's a theory of mine, which I can sort of phase into to explain this better, possibly. Yeah, please. Um, there are six levels in the Harry Aaron's depth scale of hypnotic depth testing. And consequently, I've also noticed that um, in association with that, there are six levels of REM states. 
And I believe personally as a pet theory of mine that REM states and hypnosis are very much connected, even though they're not sleeping. Mm -hmm. So in the first three stages of hypnotic depth testing in the Aaron scale, you'll notice eyelid flutter. Their eyelids are going up and down. In the latter three stages, I've noticed their eyeballs go back and forth, which is the equivalent of deep sleep hypnotic dreaming, even though sleep and hypnosis are two different things. I often explain to my clients, if you're in a private session, if a wake is over here and a sleep is over there, hypnotism's in the middle. So you pass through it to fall asleep, you pass through it to wake up. So when I'm looking for eyelid flutter in these people, and when the eyes are closed and I start seeing the eyelids are going up and down, I know they're in at least one of the first three stages of hypnosis. When I push, push them back up in the chair again and their eyes are closed and I see their eyeballs are going back and forth behind their eyelids, uh, in the earlier parts of my show, then I know they're in a deep state of hypnotic trance. And at that point, they're completely amenable to any suggestions I give them to get them motivated to go out there and dance, jump around, you know, milk a cow, whatever it is we're doing that's silly and funny to make the audience laugh. You know? So um, there is a correlation, at least from my perspective on this. Um, if somebody wants to give me a scientific grant to go do research on this for six months and do a study uh, in combination with people such as yourself or my buddy Richard or a few other people, I'd be happy to do that. But it's I, actually I being done, you know, that um, in um, England, um, Ivan, oh, is it Ivan? Ivan Terrell and the other guy, they run the Human Givens Institute. And uh, people search Human Givens Institute hypnosis booklet they have a booklet that looks at the studies they did and they come to exactly the conclusion that you've just mooted john but they've actually done studies and they they pretty much say that hypnosis what is regarded as being deep trance hypnosis is practically identical to rem sleep right and once they're in rem if you're doing a private session and you're seeing the eyeballs going back and forth, especially in the latter four stages. When you give them suggestions, it's the equivalent of sticking a USB jack into their head, into their brain computer, because everything they take from you is being adapted into their own mind and their own set of circumstances in a completely uncritical way. So all the transformation takes place that way. So I'm looking to, I, I've met some hypnotists, oh, I don't look for deep trance states when I'm doing private sessions. Well, okay, that's your opinion, great happy for you, you know, may the Lord bless you from heaven. But in my view, my attitude is get them in as deep as you possibly can, get that USB jack effect into this part of this, whatever part of their head is going to take the suggestions, could be there, could be there, I don't care, could be in the back, could be in the front, who cares? The main thing is, is get those suggestions in there and get their mind to become their ally and their friend. So I look to create everything I do in hypnosis as deep a trance state as humanly possible with a person based upon their ability to let go and let me get in there and do my job. I did a private session with somebody um, recently, and she was very nervous. She brought her dad with her. You know, some of the women I work with, about 25 to 20 to 25% bring a, a chaperone. You know, you wouldn't do that at the doctor's medical treatment room necessarily. You wouldn't do it in talk therapy, but for hypnosis, sometimes they bring a friend. And the friend usually goes into hypnosis also. You got to keep, like, you know, throwing pebbles at the... the Chaperone, stay awake, don't snore, you know. Um, I even tell them, you know, if you start snoring, I'm going to throw a shoe at you because you're just supposed to be watching over this. Yeah. But um, And so far, I haven't thrown any shoes, but I've been tempted just a few times, you know. So um, the bottom line is, is that 
during the induction, she, I, I told her, please remain silent. And of course, about three quarters of the way in, because I was recording an MP3, I did something verbal. Um, I, she started to speak. I, I put it on pause. I went, shh, shh, shh. And just continued. She went, she went just even deeper after, because she knew she needed to have the ability to speak and not be out of control on some level. But yeah, eventually with her as well, even though she interrupted the induction, I got deeper I'm out of her. Her eyes were going back and forth behind her eyelids. The only time I have an issue with that is, is when they're in the chair, which is usually this chair actually that I use, and they turn their head to one side, and I'm sitting over there and I can't see it. So I've been thinking about getting a stick with a mirror on it, you know, like the thing they <laughs> take off, or, you know, contraband or bombs or something to see if, you know, there's anything you know I can do to see what their eyes are doing. But um, generally, when you get somebody into that level of hypnosis, they're going to give you 110% of their subconscious in order to absorb whatever it is you're sharing with them. You know, again, we're working in their interest. And I want, I want like the best, most ultimate turbocharged experience you can get out of a hypnosis session every time I do it. So and I do, do you, this, my experience may relate to yours. It may not. Um, but I found that a good, rapid induction that gets them as quick as possible ideally if it's got shock in there as well well in the sense of disorientating sensory overload yeah you do have to follow up with a deep now like we said before so they're not going to slip out but that generally speaking doing a really quick induction and a short deepener takes them a lot deeper than doing a long induction right absolutely and if they want a long induction, if I'm making a recording, they're going to use it home because I live record a lot of my stuff and I email it to them. Um, some of the better ideas is to speed hypnotize them first, then bring them up then put them back out again the other way. And that way you've got the recording. Or in some cases, just do a speed induction and do a little audio editing and then, you know, splice in a longer verbal induction so they can use it at home. Yeah. So there's a combination approach that you can use. And it really does vary based on the people you work with, and of course, how many years you're doing this, and what your and you would know this too, what your impression of the client is, you know, what you think is going to serve them best, you know, because it's really not about us. It's about getting in there and getting the work done when you're doing the clinical. Well, this, generally speaking, kids. Um, we'll talk in the therapeutic context first. Kids. Right. Do you find that it's easier to use rapid inductions with them because they don't have such a long attention span. Right. You know, there's something called restless leg syndrome with the children. I call it restless backside syndrome. You get them in the chair and they start squirming around because after five or 10 minutes, they want to do something else. The attention spans are shorter. So yes, kids, it works fine. But I mean, I've hypnotized 90 year olds doing speed inductions and they go right out too. Okay. Yeah. So, but you know, that's more of a demonstration someplace or a, you know, I've done hypnosis shows for um, very advanced aged communities in a couple of places. So I, I did one show, a couple, three shows, in a, three days in a row for people in their 80s and 90s. And that's, a very, that's, very, yeah, that's a very much seated show, though. I don't want anybody getting up and being Elvis and breaking a hip or something. So yeah. <laughs> that's, the, you know, it's not funny. So just keep them in the chair and it's a seated show and everybody's happy that they went into hypnosis. But I've also done things where at the end of my shows... I tend to put in clinical hypnosis suggestions as a thank you. You know, why not give them a little bit of thank you by saying, 
you know, they've had a nine-hour nap and a seven-hour back-and-foot rub, which is something else they came up with. You know, I think everybody in the world needs a nine-hour nap and a seven-hour back-and-foot rub, although I did have a hypnotist friend colleague in Texas say, I checked with a massage therapist, and seven hours of massage would be painful. I'm like, I'm willing to undergo that pain, possibly, until you turn me into this mushy, you know, Play-Doh. Really imaginary. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's all in the imagination. It's the same thing, like you were talking about deepeners, like counting to ten. I normally tell them, Every number, every word, every breath, every heartbeat, they're relaxing 85,000 times deeper. And I've had some colleagues, why 85,000? Because it's a nonsense number. If I asked you to visualize, picture, imagine, or notice in your mind an image of 85,000 jelly beans in a jar, you'd never know what the jar was size-wise. It's impossible, unless, of course, you're in the jelly bean business, in which case yeah. maybe you have an, an angle on that, you know? But... Um, It'd be very difficult to imagine what 85,000 anythings, you know, in a, in a jar of some kind would look like. Um, so there's a lot of things I've come up with on the fly that pop into my head. And then, of course, and if any hypnotist is watching this that gets this, the first thing that you, the, you do after the session's over is like, well, that was good. i got to write that down. i got to write that down. So it doesn't leave you. So it's mm -hmm. just one more tool in your toolbox to help people. But yeah, I mean, I tend to use a nonsense number like 85,000 or 80, if I really want to get at it, 87,000, you know, times deeper. I mean, originally, the way I learned some of these inductions that were verbal years ago from other people, uh, you know, for private session work, was doubly deep, doubly deep. Until one day I said, I'm going to outdo that, I'm going to make it triply deep. And this lady brought her chaperone girlfriend, and both of them need to gain weight. I often make the joke, I had to you know, rewire the weight loss session backwards to get them to gain weight, you know. And uh, they had kids, they were chasing through parks, and their clothes were, like, too loose and stuff. Mm. And um, I said, triply deep. And the chaperone said to me, you mean, like, in Liberia? I said, what's in Liberia? She said, triply. I said, no, that's in Libya. And then I got the old, you know, cover. It was, uh, well, maybe there's two of them. I said, yes, I'm sure there's two of them. Whatever you want to believe. It's fine with me. So after triply didn't sit too well, it became, like, 20 times deeper. And now it's 85,000 or 87,000. But again... Get them in as deep as you can. Get in there and do the work. Cool. Now, in terms of the work, we're still on the subject of therapy. Eh? Um, what are your favorite? I mean, we touched on this very briefly earlier in so much as you mentioned uh, negotiating with the person's unconscious mind and getting the unconscious to agree to help make the changes, with maybe through, you know, idiomotor responses or whatnot. But other than that, because you did touch on it, what would be your... What are your preferred? I know you're highly flexible, you're adaptable, and you can make things up on the spot if need be, but what do you find keeps over the years popping back and you find yourself using a lot with clients? I like a lot of post-hypnotic stuff that creates instantaneous reinforcement. If we're doing instantaneous reinforcement at the end of our sessions, um, there was a commercial when I was a little boy. You buy our product, it's no muss, no fuss. I love no muss, no fuss. So I want things that people actually do on a regular basis to instantaneously reinforce the benefit of the suggestions, even beyond what the words mean. I even suggest that as well. Beyond what these words mean to a place of instantaneous transformation and change, um, you're getting benefit right across the board. For example, let me preface what I'm about to say with this. There are two levels of thought. There is close my hand, and then there was close my hand. The first one is an idea that doesn't activate action into reality. And the second one does activate action into reality. 
So in the pre-talk, I explain this to the clients. I'm looking for activated action to change the reality that you're living in, to create unstoppable, always and forever improvement. When I went to church as a boy, there was a prayer, which as a hypnotist, I heard it years later, and I said, this is going into my work. There was a prayer, Heavenly Father, protect us from things both known and unknown to us. While there were things unknown to me under the hood of my car that functioned my engine well, I don't know what all of the things do. I have a vague idea of how combustion engines work, but I don't know what all the computer parts do and all these other things do. So I want things to work for them in ways known and unknown. So I set up a series of different suggestions at the end especially, but throughout the entire session, where I'm getting their mind to work on this and refine this in ways both known and unknown to them. So, for example, one of the ones that I've written is sounds from outside instantaneously reinforce the benefit of all of this, regardless of where it came from, no matter how it's getting there. Sounds from outside like car horns, sirens, car alarms, barking dogs, planes flying by, vague adult conversations off in the distance, and telephone noises of any type anytime you hear them. Do you need to have a functional consciousness level to hear those noises? No, you could be asleep and hear those noises. But every time you hear one of those noises, it's going to activate everything that you need. Another one would be, in any conversation, anytime we shake our head no, you're smiling inwardly when appropriate and saying no to the past and everything that stood in your way from moving forward, releasing it into a past chapter of your life as unstoppably a brand new chapter of your life begins. Every time you nod your head yes, when appropriate, you have to put it when appropriate. If they're in a nurse in an emergency room and they're nodding her head yes and somebody's bleeding, nodding their head yes and laughing, yeah. not funny. Appropriate. But no. I tell them they're going to laugh, giggle, and smile, or smile, giggle, and laugh every time they nod their head yes, when appropriate, as they reinforce every time they nod their head yes to the possibilities of yes in their future, the best chapter of their life starting, all the things that need to be there. There was a famous movie director named John Ford. He directed movies with John Wayne in it and a lot of famous people. And he used to look like this. Like, you know, you see people in these Hollywood movies, like what's on the mm -hmm. camera lens. And he used to think what needs to be there. And that's another idea I've taken, too, is what needs to be in this person's mind? What breakthrough, what yes, what possibilities exist in this person to break them through to the next level in their life? What needs to be eliminated from what needs to be there? Like what needs to be swept to the side? I've looked on Google for how many times a day people do this or do this. So far, I haven't found statistics. I keep looking. So far, I don't know. But I do know that I always couple post-hypnotic suggestions with laughter. Talk therapy sessions, people I've met, people I know have walked out of talk therapy sessions crying. They come home, they kick the dog, they yell at the cat, they scream at the family. In my sessions, when they leave, they leave laughing. I make them laugh. I make them laugh at the world-famous funny red pen. You know, one of the questions I get from people who do clinical hypnosis uh, or in some parts, hypnotherapy, again, where I live, I can't use the other the T word so much. But people say to me, well, you do those stage shows too. Yeah, one thing feeds into the other. This was something I came up with in a show, which I then took and put into the sessions. And now people laugh at the funny red pen. The trouble is a lot of people try and steal my funny red pens. So I have to keep buying 50 at a time or 100 at a time because they walk out. I was going to say, that's not the same red pen you had in Manchester. No, yeah. Well, I, I still have a couple of them. I kind of stash on the side. The more expensive ones I hide from people. But I have other ones over there that light up. And the ones that light up grow feet and legs and walk away from me. I don't see them. You know, I turn around to take a, a credit card or a transaction to get paid for my work. 
and all of a sudden there's a pen missing. I'm like, do you take that? Oh, do you mind? Well, if you asked me first, I wouldn't mind, but now that you put it in your pocket, what am I going to say now, you know? But the idea is, is that everything leads into something. So I make them laugh at the funny red pens or the color red or, um, you know, there's a suggestion I wrote that a friend of mine, uh, it says it's the best hypnosis suggestion he's ever read. I'll try and remember this off the top of my head. Uh -huh. This came to me in a dream, and it's in my third book, and it's in my fourth book. Uh, you know, you don't... You know, you don't know what it was you think you knew. So now, better instead, you now know what it is to know. Well, now, of course, knowing all of this, you now know what it is to know. What does that mean? Well, for me, in the session work, there are, in my third book, I talk about this. There are three gateways to wisdom, as I see it. There is belief, there is faith, and there is what I call knowingness, which, according to the spell checker on my computers, is not a word, especially if I'm typing an email or something, but it is a word to me. To exist in a state of knowingness means you're in a place of power. You simply know which, whatever I'm asking you to get into is the truth. If I have to believe in this computer that I'm talking to you on, I have to pay a lot of attention to it and devote a lot of energy to it. Mm -hmm. If I have to have faith in it, I have to pay a lot of attention to it and devote a lot of energy to it. If I have a place of knowing what this computer is in front of me, and let's keep hoping it works till the end of this video we're shooting at least, you know, um... It requires no energy, and yet it's the greatest place of personal empowerment, which goes right back in a circle, as comedians call it a callback, to personal empowerment meditation that I started off with. If you have a person who now knows improvements are taking place, that things unstoppable are coming in the way of benefit, that a tidal wave is coming. Another one I've recently come up with from a show. I had a woman uh, at the end. I was four routines off the end of a show. Where am I? Who are you? You know? I just put my hand to the mesmeric pass past her eyes. And I said, as I tap you on the shoulder, you relax down deeper as buckets of wonderful pour down upon you. It's a metaphor. What are buckets of wonderful? I hope I find some one day. I don't know. But in her imagination, it took away her nervous reaction. And all of a sudden, she was up dancing with everybody else. So at the end of the show, I'm always like, you know, uh, everybody's big dad. You know, I want to make sure everybody's fine at the end of the show. So I went over to find her. I couldn't find her. I said, where'd she go? Did she leave? And it was December. It was a holiday party for a corporation. And as I'm wheeling out my amplified speakers and microphone and prop bag and everything, she's in the vestibule. I've been waiting for you here. I wanted to catch you on the way out. I feel absolutely wonderful. I haven't felt this wonderful in 35 years of my life. I can't believe what, well, it's a suggestion. So I took her from nervous, where am I, what's going on, to happy, happy, wonderful, forever. As long as she can remember that feeling again, she can come right back to it. I've never felt this way, she said to me. Well, why shouldn't we be feeling this way? We're all feeling some other way because we believed in somebody else's limited existence or truth, which was not as unconditional and unlimited as it possibly could have been. Our job is to get these people up to the next level. And that's why even in the shows, I stick in some clinical suggestions at the end. Yeah, and I stick them to chairs and stuff like that, too, after they're out. You know, just some of the fun stuff to keep the show going a little bit more. But, again, get in there and open up their minds. Other things that they put into the end of the session, your mighty inner hero, the part of you that is doubtless, fearless, mighty, is reversing back upon itself all of the shadowy energy that blocked your past. As you reverse that back upon itself, the hero within you rises bigger and mightier than any challenge you'll ever overcome, need to overcome in your life. You are now the mighty hero of your life. 
You think about the stories these people tell. They think because they were traumatized by X, Y, and Z or A, B, and C, they are that trauma. They don't salute nor acknowledge within themselves the hero they are that circumvented and overcame that thing. Mm. And you got to start giving credit where it's due, and people don't. So our job is to shake them up, maybe not physically, although some days I want to just grab somebody by the shoulders for a second, even though I don't, and take them up to that other place. Why not? Why is everybody scrambling around, you know, crawling around in the mud and the dirt when we should be practically flying in the air, how powerful we are? You know, I tell people from the old movies I saw as a kid, you could be Tokyo or you could be Godzilla. You know, personally, I think Godzilla's having more fun, you know what I mean? Don't be overwhelmed by that monster you're pumping the energy into. Put the energy back into yourself. Take away, also in my sessions, uh, eradicate problem thinking. Make it challenge orientation. Take away words like negative and put in, you know, um, something more unconditional is happening to you. You're rising up to a more inspired, unconditional empowerment. Things along this line. Your mind is fluidly adapting itself to generate these improvements while you're awake, while you're asleep, even while happy, pleasant dreams, you know, dissolve barriers as you flow beyond them. Another one of mine, you know, like a mighty river flowing down the side of a mountain in the spring, you flow over, around, beyond, and through any and all obstacles to wherever it is you best need to be. And like a boulder in that fast-running stream, as the adversity in your life hits you, it moves around you and far away from you, and by that experience, you are now shinier, brighter, and polished. So there's a lot of things I throw into session. With uh, these examples that you've just given, John, one thing that I noticed, which I'm hoping the viewers have noticed as well, um, if you haven't, even more reason why you should go and uh, check out John's website and have a look at the books so that you spot what you. I'm about to say, which is there's an element of metaphor there, which as we know in therapy right. can be very therapeutic um, at, at a conscious level. I'm seeing that almost... It isn't nonsense talk because there is the metaphor there, but by the same token as there being a metaphor, it's almost nonsensical at a conscious level, right. which would cause an element of confusion and disorientation, which is helping to enable critical faculty bypass. Right. Right. Um, and as human beings, we are set up, people who know their NLP, know with nested loops, the brain wants all the stories to be finished off. Well, if consciously you can't make total sense of the suggestion, it's going to get handed over to the unconscious because naturally he wants to sort it out and it's going to make some sense of it. And the way John structured the examples he's given us, it seems to me that the only conclusion the unconscious subconscious call it what you will could come to is one that's going to be beneficial for the client because of the way you've structured the phraseology in the first place right i want their mind to take this like um american football they put it under their arm and they run down the field or i don't know what the equivalent in europe would be of that but the idea is take the ball rugby. and run with it huh? rugby, rugby. Like, so yeah. that's what i thought rugby uh, but like rugby, take the ball and run down the field with it to where you best need to be at the end. Um, and everybody's capable of doing that to some greater or lesser extent, except somehow they've, you know, to use another metaphor, they've built a jail around themselves. It's imaginary. The door is open. They're holding the key to the cell anyway. And with the blink of an eye, they can dissolve the jail cell. 
It's all because they've been told limited ideas so much, and they've come to believe in those ideas. And I don't want you to believe in anything. I don't want you to have faith in anything. I want you to know the power is inside of you, and you can do anything you put your mind to within reason. People say, well, if I jump off the roof, can I fly with the right apparatus on your back? Possibly you could. You know? So, you know, people have said to me, um, I say, you can empower yourself in any moment. What if somebody's pulling a gun on you? Let me tell you, I've grown up in New York City. That's happened a couple of times. I've never surrendered my wallet. I have no extra bullet holes in my body of any kind. I've mentally outflanked people who have done that using, you know, language techniques and other things not to buy into whatever they wanted me to become or what they wanted me to be. So the idea is, is that with clients who are stuck in, say, relationship issues, what is the dynamic in the relationship? What do you want that person to be? What do they want you to become? What do you turn into when they're there? Once you start to dissolve those things, everything changes. So get the subconscious mind in its childlike method and understanding of things to absorb stuff. You know, one of the things I've done on live TV, and one of them was a Fox News broadcast here in the U.S., whether you like or you hate them, it put me in front of three and a half million people. And at the end, I was going wakey-wakey, and people say, why do you do wakey-wakey? Because the subconscious mind is like a little kid, it's a little boy, it's a little girl. You know, so wake it up with, with, with children like phraseology, if you have to. Um, I'm not beyond using childish terminology when I craft suggestions, if I have to, in certain cases. Because the subconscious mind likes that. I mean, people, I've studied the subconscious mind, I'm sure you have as well. Many hypnotists do, and quite a few of them don't. They just do whatever they're told to read or whatever. But it's mm. childlike in its understandings and perceptions. It doesn't understand negative words really well. So when I was first given scripts in hypnosis, when I first got trained, you do not smoke. No more smoking, you know? I had to sit there and think you were smoke-free, cigarette-free. That took some brain power after an hour or two to come up with to turn it around. You know, the bumper stickers on cars in America used to read, don't drive drunk. Seems like a great idea. Until you realize they're driving the car subconsciously and they're reading it as drive drunk. Now it says drive sober. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Understand the language base you need to work in to get the job done and understand what switches you can turn on in the person's mind. Another one of mine is it's as if someone has reset a switch, a dial, a computer or a thermostat of some kind in your mind, activating all that needs to be there into your mind, into thoughts, habits, feelings, ideas, reactions, and actions, impulses, into a new place in your life, sweeping out the bad, you now step into the new. I could go on. This is just, I could spend hours doing this on a, on a call with a person like yourself. But I'm honestly, and this is not criticism, this is actually praising you. I'm criticizing other people here, but I'm not criticizing. I mean, it's just more of an observation. Could take that sentence you just said, and people watching, when the video finishes, if you go and get a notepad and a pen and watch this again and take notes, because there is gold and, and you can make notes of these to keep you going while you're waiting for your books to arrive off John's website. It, or instant download. Everything is instant download too. I have oh, right. Excellent. So you can get it on download as well. Instant download saves me a lot of shipping troubles. But there's a lot of people now coming out with these arty-farty new, oh, this is supposed to be the cutting-edge technique. And lots of them, I won't give names, but there's lots of people, lots of different names, lots of apparently different techniques. But when you look at the core, all of them are about, 
some form of fixation of attention, some form of possibly confusion, disorientation, or ritualistic technique to bypass the critical faculty. Right. Uh, and then effectively asking nicely the person's unconscious, but I'm talking directly to your unconscious, um, you know, delete, remove, erase, uh, or any and all negative thoughts, feelings, emotions, memories, programs connected with that that used to bother you in the past. And if they'll come up with like this sentence that will cover all and suddenly they've got a new technique under a new name. And there's loads of them bobbed up over the past several years. And literally the examples you've given several of during the past hour, any one of those alone could constitute one of these. It's a brand new technique in that context. Right. I've seen people build entire courses around a sentence. You know, mm. I've seen that happen in the past too. Again, no names, but just one sentence. They build an entire course around the sentence. I have literally, the first book I wrote is something like 389 pages or something, I think. So, you know, think, you know, people say to me, is it easy to write a book? Think about writing a term paper in high school or college, 10 pages, 15 pages. And you were like, oh my goodness, try writing eight, 300 and whatever pages. And then the other books are, 200 here and 300, you know, 250, whatever it is. But everything I've written is written like that. And sometimes some of these techniques are in one script or the other script. I mean, I'm not going to say that they're not. Because if you're resetting a dial, a switch, a thermostat, or a computer in somebody's head, or starting a new chapter of your life, everybody who comes to you for a private session wants a new chapter. Otherwise, what are they doing there? Yeah. Unless they have money to throw at you, in which case you could just say, take the money and close the door in their face. The idea is... If they come in and they're serious about improvement, then get it done, however it works. And whatever ideas I've shared here today on this video with you, or tonight as you watch it in any part of the world you might be in, you know, expand on this stuff. And as you get the ideas, write it down yourself. The, I tell all my students, I'm currently training a student um, these days, um, write down your own stuff and keep a file in your computer. Put it up on the, on the cloud so if the computer crashes... You've got backup. But whatever techniques I'm sharing with you, build on things. You know, if we didn't share as a society engineering techniques uh, with each other, we wouldn't have skyscraper buildings or cars that we have or planes that we fly in. If we didn't share surgical techniques, we wouldn't have heart surgery, brain surgery, other surgeries, uh, medicines. You know, with the hypnosis community, I've seen people sometimes reluctant to share things. Get out there and share this stuff. Get out there and make it your own. Go out there and invent something brilliant. Brilliance is inside of all of us if we just look for it a little bit. And that's been my philosophy as a teacher of this stuff. Now, I've been a, a teacher almost 25 years actually doing classes at this point. And I've been in private practice about 35 years at this point. I know I don't look it, but this youthful face of mine. But, you know, um, the bottom line is, is that it's all about elevating this to the next level. I mentioned Ormond McGill earlier. I was friends yeah. with him. It was the end of part of his life, later part of his life. And he said to me, you're a, you're, you're a younger version of me. He said, we don't look like each other, really. But you have the same inspirations and thoughts I do. Get out there and elevate it. Make something else happen with it. I, I love that man. He was one of the finest human beings. But for each of us, we have that potential in us, too. Go out there and light up something. Do something different. You know, 
if you have an inspiration or you're not open to inspiration yet open yourself to inspiration the power is inside of each of us to go out there and be mighty people it really is and i'm reinforcing my own hypnosis shaking my head no excellent um you've kind of you've it could be argued that you've already answered this question but this is the question i ask everybody at the end of the interviews um because then if people watch week by week they can see similarities between the way people answer differences and you know it gives them different viewpoints uh so we're going to go with it nonetheless hypothetically speaking somebody knocks on your door now john and you answer the door and they're stood there and they've got and i use this same book every time for no no particular reason than it just it's consistent then and they've got in the hands dave alman's hypnotherapy book the green or blue covered one depending on what edition it is right. and they've just read this and they say to you mr sabon uh, i live in the area somebody's told me you live here i've just read this book it's all i've read i've not watched any dvds i've not been to any live trainings i've not even looked on youtube for the free stuff that's there but you know somebody told me you're a hypnotist you live here and i've got to ask you this is something I think I'd really like to do. Um, what would your top three pieces of advice be to them as someone setting out on the path to, to, to be, and I mean that in the context of to be able to become the most effective hypnotist, whether it's for stage or therapy that they could be, technically wise and in terms of helping people or entertaining them but also of course in being able to make a business out of it if that's the desire okay great question thank you for asking me that question um the first thing is eat breathe and sleep this be a hypnotist they claim if you do the same task over and over again for a job within seven years your brain rewires itself to be that so you my friend and i both have the brain of a hypnotist how scary is that right um, nice. But eat and breathe and sleep this. Let your mind wander into new areas and think like a hypnotist. What suggestions could work in this particular moment? What suggestions could work in an emergency moment? Um, you know, get in there and, and be a hypnotist. This is the first thing. Number two, be open to motivation and innovation. Think of what motivated these giants we stand on the shoulders of who wrote these books, whether it was McGill or Elman or or uh, Aaron's or whoever else, Erickson, whoever it might be, um, you know, or anybody else. There's people who have forgotten the history, by the way. There was a guy named Peter Gottenmeier who trained Aaron's, and he's a footnote in history. He was a German medical doctor who moved to the United States. I know a woman who's since passed on that trained with him, and there's nothing even on the internet about this guy, but and who trained him is a question. So, you know, mm -hmm. going back in time, somebody trained somebody, somebody trained somebody else, so the idea is, what motivation do you have for innovation? And as the innovation hits you, or the brilliance, or the inspiration hits you, get out there and just start writing the stuff down that pops into your head. Try things. Remain free of being stuck. How do you like that for a phrase, being a hypnotist? I didn't say don't. Remain free of getting stuck in somebody's system. Make up your own system. I'm delighted when in the speed trance classes, one of the students says, hey, I made up a variation on something you taught me. Let's see how this works. And they try it and it works and it's their induction they made up. Some of them are in the profession two or three years and they're making up new stuff and that's their induction. Think about how many hypnotists have been in this profession for decades that never came up with their own induction. So come up with the motivation, come up with the innovation and 
what I would say is, for the clinical end of this, or the stage end of this, be who you are. If you're a hypnotist that's doing clinical work, be a healer. Mm-hmm. Be more than a hypnotist. Get out there and use compassion rather than sympathy. Come from a place of wisdom rather than simply intellect. Get in there and do it that way. If you're doing stage work, get out there and rip it up. Get out there and make it the most crazy level of a rock concert you've ever seen, plus 10 or times a thousand. Get out there and work that stage. You know, I, lo- I remember some of my favorite rock performers, well, the Mick Jagger in his prime. I mean, he's, you know, pretty far along in years now. But even there, he's dancing, he's jumping around. I mean, I don't know if most of us can compete with that in our 80s, the way he's doing it. Or even David Lee Roth from Van Halen in his prime, jumping around, or Ozzy Osbourne, or whatever it is. If you're doing a show, in other words, whether it's clinical, whether it's a show, whether it's a demonstration, whether it's a lecture, passion, fire, let your heart light up. Love what you're doing. Get out there and share this. It's infectious if people latch on to where you're coming from with this stuff. Mm-hmm. I've met so many hypnotists who are almost apologetic about being a hypnotist. I've actually met people that say in front of an audience, you know, you're not going to believe this, but I'm a hypnotist. And people go, I don't believe you because you're not people can be like that, right? Negatively suggestible. So the idea is to get out there and rip up whatever you're doing. Go out there and do this. And what's the worst that could happen? Somebody doesn't get hypnotized? All right, so you try something else. We've all had a session like that. Uh, I remember a woman bought her husband a private session as a Christmas present. And little known to her, totally unknown to her, little known to me until I sat down with the guy. He was had a gambling problem. He was drinking. He was running around. And he thought I was hired to be like the lie detector guy, you know? And I started to do an induction about halfway through. I can't follow this. And I said, fine, then I'm going to let you be the hypnotist. You're going to take 10 breaths and go into hypnosis. He took 10 breaths. He was out like a light. So the idea is to be fluid in your thinking. Bruce Lee said, be as water. You know, be as water. You know, that's what I'm drinking here. Be as water. Fluid. Move. Think. Go. Rip it up. Have the passion that I'm, that I'm expressing to you now. Have the passion if you see me do a show on stage someplace that I have. Get out there and rip this up. Make this work like nobody's ever done it before. And you're the premier person in the profession that's bringing this to the world. Nobody wants a half-hearted effort. Get out there and rip this thing up and make it work. With that level of passion, you're going to get people in hypnosis. You're going to get positive, unlimited, unconditional change into a new chapter in someone's life. You're going to have a show that people are going to be looking at afterwards and thinking, that's the best live show I've ever seen anybody ever do. That's the way you have to approach this stuff. One of my personal philosophies to kind of wrap up this question would be, the bigger the challenge, the mightier I become. And I, I've been thrown into some insane shows. I've done shows outdoors where it starts raining, and I'm soaked in my socks, my underwear, and shoes. I've done shows where it starts snowing outdoors, when it's warm, like it's in the 50-degree range. The sun goes down, it starts snowing. Now it's like, well, 30 degrees Fahrenheit is, I don't know what that is in Celsius. You could do the math. But it, it's below freezing. It's below zero degrees Celsius. So, right? Yeah. And I'm keeping the show going, and I'm telling the, the hypnotized people, it's almost, you know, it's almost tropical hot. You're almost uncomfortably warm, you know, until I say 10 wide awake, and they go, ah, and they run for hot chocolate and coffee and coats, you know. The idea is let nothing stand in your way. Be a dynamo. Be a force of nature. I've been calling out a few shows I've done. You're a force of nature. Be that force of nature in your sessions, in your shows, in your demos. And people will eventually beat a path to your door. One question, 
big long answer that that's it excellent advice and interestingly that word have a passion for it came out again not every week but almost every week somewhere the word passions come in in the answer when people have been giving it me and that's worth noting because the people i've been fortunate enough to interview up to now and i've got lined up are all people who are regarded in high regard in this industry uh and you know i've got a, a lot of success behind them and if they're saying consistent things in, in separate interviews where they haven't talked to each other there's got to be a reason it's not a coincidence right they, this could be a big clue that there are certain keys to success Right. Um, which is why I always say, get a pad, get a pen, watch this again and take notes because there's been absolute gold in the past hour. And then get yourself over to famous, sorry, worldfamoushypnotist.com uh, where John's got his downloads, uh, his books, links to print edition books. If you like me, you prefer to have a book in your hand. Right, me too. Um, but they're all on there. Um, where people watch your YouTube channel, how can people find you in other ways, John? Just go to, um, just type in hypnotist John Sabone, my name, it'll come right up. Well, yeah, it will. he's got or tons trans, of videos or just type in, Or Transmaster, type in Transmaster also comes up. That's my stage name. Excellent. Well, there will be a link to John's website below. Get a new set of teeth below this video when it goes live. Uh, so thank you all for tuning in and watching. Thank you ever so much, John, for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank Remember, you. it's worldfamoushypnotist.com, and we'll see you next week for another edition of Hypnosis Week. Bye for now.